Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the Treasure Ministries podcast. I am Eileen Thompson, founder of Treasure Ministries, the author of the Nourish Bible Study series, and the creator of the Nourish Bible Study method. And I'm very excited to talk to you today about these scriptures that we've been studying in the book of Ephesians. For those of you that are just joining the podcast, we've been walking through the book of Ephesians and talking about something called godly girl power. Now, godly girl power is different from worldly power. Worldly power is power that we try to take by controlling other people and circumstances, and it focuses on ourselves. Godly girl power is the strength of a woman led confidently by the Holy Spirit to walk in love and live for the glory of God, no matter what we face. And a big, big, big challenge of what women face, and really uh, the major motivation, my drive in helping women, is that challenge of understanding our authentic identity. And the reason why that is such a challenge and the reason why it is so very important to me is because, you know, women hear words all day long that are not true about who they are. And for years, for 40 years, I've lived under those lies. And when I understood that it was the truth in God's Word that told me who I am and the purpose for which I was created, that is when I gained freedom and confidence to become the woman that God created me to be. And a major way that He speaks to us and gives that to us is through His Word. And that's why I'm so passionate about that because a woman that is living in the unconditional love of God and knows you know what she is called to do that's a very beautiful place to be living but oftentimes as women we're taught to be externally referenced we're taught to be pleasers and so it can be a journey of unlearning all these things to find out who we are. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about how to awaken our authentic identity by connecting to the source of life and telling our hearts to beat again. Now, I just want to sort of lay a foundation before we begin walking through these scriptures that you've been looking at this week, if you've been following along with us um, in our Nourish Devotions. We're going to be starting out in Ephesians um, chapter 5, but I want to just start out by sort of laying a foundation for all of this with um, a story that I heard this week about a song right now that's popular out on Christian radio. And it's um, it, it's a song called "Tell Your Heart to Beat Again," and I watched this interview. Um by it's Phillips Craig and Dean, but guess what? I don't know. I can't remember who was the one that was giving the interview. But anyway, you can look it up on Facebook, and um, and he's talking about 
this song, which is really beautiful. And I encourage you to listen to the lyrics, but sort of the story behind the song. And the story goes like this. It says that um, that there was a, um, a a gentleman who who was a pastor, and he was invited in by the surgeon to watch him do open heart surgery. And so the surgeon was was operating on the patient, and the patient's heart was repaired successfully, but it was not it did not start beating on its own again. So then um, it. It says this, and this is a quote. Finally, the surgeon knelt down beside his patient and took off his surgeon mask and said, Miss Johnson, this is your surgeon. The operation went perfectly. Your heart has been repaired. Now tell your heart to beat again. When he said that, the heart began to beat When I heard this story, I thought I've got to write this song because there's so many people that have experienced so much brokenness to their heart. And even though God, the great surgeon, has saved us and repaired us, covered us with His grace, sometimes it takes you and me to tell our own heart to beat again, to love again, and to hope again. Don't don't you just... Um, love that. And and the reality is, you know, I got an, an email um, from somebody this week, and um, I, um, I, I hope that one day I can meet her and throw my arms around her. And, and she was sharing her story with me about um, how just um, an environment that she was in, she heard ma- many negative words Uh, said to her about herself, and she's now walking through that process of uh, trying to live as a woman of God, trying to live surrendered. Um, But that is a battle because of those those old wounds from those words. And uh, the reality is, um, and what I shared with her, is that you and I are all on a journey. And sometimes we think, well, it's just shake, rattle, and roll. And, you know, I have this new heart now. I have, you know, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and I'm not going to have any more issues. But the reality is, is that the battle has just begun. You are saved when you come to a relationship with Christ. Absolutely true. You are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And your spirit is completely sanctified. But now the process begins where God wants to infiltrate um, the truth within our soul. And um, a lot of times, because our soul has been living in the ways that we used to know, you know, what we knew, um, like for my friend that um, emailed me, um, you know, the, the words that we used to hear, those are the things that are engraved in our soul. And it takes time to let that go um, and, and to, to tell our heart to beat again. And oftentimes what I've seen, what I've experienced in my own life and um, just stories from different people is that, um, you know, that whole process of dying to ourselves, which by the way, doesn't mean, you know, 
cutting off your desires and cutting off who you are and all that sort of stuff. It doesn't mean that. It's It goes way deeper than that. That whole process of dying to ourselves, it's, it's much like that picture that I just talked about with the surgeon, that, that we come to the end of ourselves. And it's almost like, um, I, I almost feel like that's a road that we can't even take ourselves down. It, it's a process and a journey that God takes us on. And many times, I know for me, that was through a journey of brokenness. It was through a journey of sifting seasons. Um, and at times, you know, I um, cried out to God, you know, I, I feel like I'm dying here. And I felt like God was saying, you know, Eileen, that's kind of the point. But in doing that, in doing that, then he says, now, Eileen, I want your heart to beat again. But this time, this time, it's going to be beating for me. And in our nourish scripture this week, um, it, it says this um, in, in, in 513. It says this, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you his life. And with our journey with Christ, I think all of us come to that place where we feel frustrated. We feel, um, you know, like we're at the end of our work. We feel just like, you know, what am I supposed to do here? And then God says to us, you know what? You're at the most beautiful place. And I want you to rise again. I want you to tell your heart to beat again. But this time, it's going to be beating for me. Now, before I even begin to go into our scripture this week, I want to tell you about a podcast that would be good for you to listen to after you listen to mine, because it's going to go through um, this whole concept of dying to yourself and telling your heart to beat again. It's sort of in greater measure um, by a Bible teacher that I highly respect, and that is um, Bob Hamp, who wrote Live Differently, Think Differently. Now, you can find his podcast just by going to iTunes and typing in Bob Hamp and finding him, but he has a whole podcast on dying to self. And so, I want you to listen to that. I, I listen to it over and over again because I, I think the concepts are really so beautiful and just very well explained of that beautiful process that God takes us through. Um, but today, what we're going to be concentrating on and why I sort of laid out that foundation is just to tell you that it's a process and that we have to learn to live again. We have to learn to let our hearts love again, to beat again. And we have to get up and start acting again, but it's it's in a new way. It's in a new way where we're following the Holy Spirit. We're following the Holy Spirit because faith is an action. And it's like we've been living um, for ourselves. We've been living um, for other people's approval. Um, then we come to Christ. We're used to living in those ways. Then God um, helps us sift through all that. And then He says, okay, now I'm ready for you to get up 
and I'm ready for your heart to beat again and live surrendered and live surrendered to me. So what does that look like practically? What is God's role in that? And what is my role? What can I do as a believer to walk out my authentic identity, to awaken who God created me to be and live it out? Well, that's what we're going to be looking at today. So in Ephesians 5, verse 1, it says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything that you do, because you are His dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered Himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So what Paul is actually saying there, he's saying, Be an imitator of God and live a life of love Why? Because you are a child of God. So Paul is reminding them of their identity, that they are God's child. Now again, just like I said before, when we become a Christian, we are we become a child of God, but that's just the beginning of our journey to live led as a child of God. And Paul is saying to them, Remember who you are. Remember your identity because out of that identity, your actions will follow. Now, I love that he used the word imitate there. And you know what I um, what was a huge aha moment uh, this week, and that is this. Um, my um, my pastor's wife actually told me this. She said, you know, we need to act our way into a way of feeling instead of feeling our way into a way of acting. And sometimes I think where love is concerned, if I don't feel love for a person, I feel like, well, maybe I'm pretending if I just, you know, love this person. But the reality is, is that that is living by our feelings and not by faith. Well, our authentic identity is that we are children of God. And we can walk in love. We can make that choice to imitate God. And when we act our way into a way of feeling, it's actually walking by faith in your identity as God's child. The truth is, is that's who we are. That is who we are. And so telling our heart to beat again, telling our heart to love, it's not pretending, it's acting out of our identity. And the more that we know that we're God's child, the more that we can walk in that love. Now, the first part of this um, is is one, not to be led by your feelings. Um, And two is this, is that we need to understand what God's love is. It's agape love. That's very different from worldly love that's based on emotion. Um, And here's the other thing. Agape love, agape love does not condone sin. So it doesn't mean that we're a doormat. It doesn't mean that we disrespect ourselves, but it means that we show love to people, even people that hurt us. And it doesn't have to be based on our feelings. Now, when I think of that word imitate, I think of 
an actor. And sometimes you'll hear people say, you know, uh, to take on the personality of of another, um, to become like them. And the reality is, is that part of mimicking God comes from our abiding with Him, comes by our spending time with Him. When we spend time with anybody, we will naturally imitate their personality because because things transfer in relationships. So the more time you spend with God, the more you will imitate Him. And not only that, but as you look in the Word to find out who He is, and, and that is why in the Nourish Bible Study Method, in, the, in Step 2 and Respond, one of the things that we ask you to look for is an illustration of God. Find out who He is so that you can mimic Him. And it's not pretending It's not pretending. And I think a lot of times the enemy will say, well, you really don't feel love for that person. And so he'll condemn you for that feeling, right? But that's walking by faith in our feelings, you know, not walking by faith in our identity. And our identity is, is that God is my father and that he walks in love. And just because I don't feel love for this person, I can still act my way into a way of feeling by walking by faith in my identity, right? Okay, now that's easier said than done. But I will tell you this, that there are, and nothing is harder than me, than loving people who have hurt me, believe me. But there have been instances in my life, and I'm sure you can relate to this, where you have acted, you may not have felt like doing something, but then you um, you acted out of that. You told your heart to beat again. You, I don't know what it was. You, you blessed somebody with a gift that had hurt you, and the feelings follow. One of the things that God tells us to do to those people that have hurt us is to pray for them. And that is so powerful. It's powerful for you because as you pray for people that hurt you, it changes your heart towards them. Okay. So we want to, we want to act our way into a way of feeling. And we want to do this by abiding with God, because the more time we spend with him, the more those, uh, the more we will become like him. And we also want to find out more about what agape love is. It's not love that tolerates abuse to you. That's not agape love. God's not saying be a doormat. He's saying love like I love. Um, and so, um, so, so that is um, the first way that we tell our heart to beat again. We connect with the source. And we say, walk in love. That's what we are created um, and redeemed to do. Caroline Leaf, uh, who is a PhD, and she's she has a whole ministry um, on the study of the brain. You know, she says that you and I are wired to walk in love. That's what we're created to do. And that when we're walking in um, bitterness and when we're walking in unforgiveness, that's not really who we are. Are. Okay, so that, that's the first one. The second thing the scripture tells us to do in this passage is to be the light and shine brightly because you have light from the Lord. Okay, so not only is your identity, your authentic identity, that you are God's child to live in love, but you also have this light from the Lord. And the scripture tells us that light produces what is good, pleasing, and true. And so that that is who you are. Whether or not you're acting that way 
It doesn't make any difference. That's your identity. And our identity is everything. Finding out who God is, finding out who we are, will have an effect on our faith. And by the way, um, the faith that we are called to is a saving faith, meaning that, you know, our faith is going to affect our mind and our emotions, but also our will, our choices. So if I believe that I am God's child, that's going to make a difference in how I live and how I love. If if I know, you know, and really it's so important for us to find out about who God is through his word. And the more um, that I understand about God's nature, and that He is the object of my faith, that is going to play a role in my actions. So then moving on in chapter 5 and verse 3, it says, Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of God. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. And so he's saying, I love this scripture because he's saying, you know, he's basically saying, Ephesians, this is not who you are. This is not who you are. I know this is how you're acting, um, but this is not who you are. You have the light in you. And it says, such sins have no place among you. Um, that this is not who you are when you're acting this way. Um, and, and then it goes on to say that it says, for a greedy person is an idolater, a worshiper of things of this world. Now, um, I've often heard it say that sin is simply attachment to the wrong sources. And, and even inside of those other sins, immorality, impurity, greed, coarse, you know, uh, foolish talk, and, and you can go on to name um, other sins. I think that Paul was just pointing out what was inside, of the, what he was seeing inside of the church of Ephesus, but that basically that sin is when we're uh, attaching ourselves to the wrong source, that it's about um, letting go of those sources and attaching ourselves uh, to God. In other words, materialism, greed, uh, money is not a bad thing, but it's the attachment to those things um, that that will get us in, into sin. Okay, so let's find out when we see these things in our life, you know, what, what should we do? It goes on to say, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins for the anger of God will fall on all those who disobey Him. In other words, grace is not, you know, well, now I can do whatever I want to do and not take ownership um, over those sins. Why would we want? We don't want sin. Sin isn't Sin might be fun initially, but it's not, you know, good for our souls um, uh, uh, in the long run. And, and the bigger picture is this, is that we're here to be a light for the world. We're here to be different. So why would we want to live like the world wants to live? We, we want to live sanctified. And then it says, don't participate in the things that people do. For you were once full of darkness, but now, now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. He goes back to that again. This is your authentic identity. 
You are people of light, so live as people of light, for this light is within you and produces what is good, right, and true. So in 1 John 1, 5, it says, This is the message that we heard from Jesus, and now we declare to you, God is light. There is no darkness in Him at all, right? So God is the only perfect person. Okay, and God is the source of light, you know, just or so we're talking about connecting with that source. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing truth. We're not practicing the truth, okay? And that's exactly what Paul was saying to these Ephesians there. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. So, you know, by by not in other words, by not taking ownership over, you know, what God is, what, what sin is, or the fact that, you know, you're not perfect, right? You're still going to sin and that, that we need, we want to deal with that because we don't want to be in darkness. Okay. So, um, so, and, and I'll tell you that in, inside of the nourish scripture this week, you know, the Lord convicted me that I was not walking in love. Um, with somebody that had hurt me. And I was trying to excuse it and justify it because this person did say something that was really awful. And it was as if the Lord was like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Quit trying to excuse it and blame it and walk in the light. So I just put that in there to say um, that, you know, that this is, we, we need to take ownership over that and that God is the only perfect person. And so, um, and but he gives us a way to handle when we see these things going on in our life. Um, okay, then it says, so we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth, but... If we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, His Son, that cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that His Word has no place in our hearts, okay? So right there, what, um, what you know, those scriptures are saying is that we need to come into the light. We need to come to the source. We need to come to God. And we don't need to be afraid of that. In other words, we need to be vulnerable before God. And we need to say to Him, you know, we all have these hidden things in our life, right? That, that maybe, you know, sins that we can't like see, like, you know, when you're having lunch with someone and, and you can see the spinach in their teeth, but they can't, right? And so um, so the, the same thing with the Lord, that as we come to Him, as we spend time in His Word, as we pray, you know, we need to come to Him vulnerable and say, Lord, you know, let me come into the light. Show me what is not true about me. What isn't true about me? That's like Paul was saying, you know, all these things that you're doing at Church of Ephesians, that's not true about you. That's not really who you are. And so as we come into the light, God will show us these things. Lord, what is not true about me? In other words, he showed me, Eileen, 
you not walking in forgiveness and love, that's not the truth about who you are. It's not true about you, okay? And then, um, and then also, you know, show me what I'm hiding. What am I hiding? And we hide stuff. We blame others. We excuse it. Um, we say everybody else is doing what, whatever it is that we're hiding. And, and sometimes it's hidden because um, we, we really can't see it. You know, we've been living in um, our old patterns for so long. You know, I was a people pleaser for years and years and years. I didn't see it as sin. I never saw it as sin until God showed me the depth of it, that I was putting other people, their opinions ahead of his. And that that was a sin. Well, I didn't see it as sin, not because I wasn't in the Word, but it was just, it was hidden to me. And as we spend time with God, it's sort of like, um, you know, He just starts to take us on this journey, and He's unraveling the person that we're not to transform us into who we are created to be. And so confession, confession is so powerful. It's so freeing. Um, And you know what? God cannot heal what we hide. So we don't need to try to handle our sin. If we see sin in our life, uh, you know, when I saw that unforgiveness that God, um, that God showed in my life, you know, I, um, I came to him and I said, I don't want this anymore. I I can't heal this. I I don't feel love for this person, but I want to walk in truth. And I want to be an agent of your love here. So God, I just come to you. I'm owning it. And you know what? Don't bring God your self-righteousness, right? Like self-righteousness is like, I got this, God. Do you know what I mean? Like, and here's all the good things I'm doing. You know, I'm doing this, 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 and this, right? You know, God doesn't want our self-righteousness, right? He wants us to come before Him and say, I need help. I need you to heal this. I don't want, I want to walk in the truth of who I am. I want to be a light that shines for others. Lord, I own this about me. And so you bring it to him in, in confession. Um, and then and then um, and then you uh, just own it. And then you act in the truth. You act in the truth and you walk in the way that that he's called you to walk. Now, that sometimes is not a fun process. And it's not fun because we're being, nobody likes being exposed. Nobody likes hearing about, um, you know, areas, whatever, that we need to change. That's not, you know, fun. But, But what if we flipped it? What if we saw it this, that God wants to bring out the best in me and you, that he wants us to awaken our authentic identity, and that God is awesome. God is full of love, and he's looking down on you and me and saying, girlfriend, that is not who you are. And I want to show you a brand new way to walk in the abundant life that I've called you to walk. That's what confession is all about. It's not about shame. It is about your freedom. It is about receiving grace from God and and walking and repenting, right? We've got to repent. We've got to walk in a new—repenting and walking in a new way. Um, 
And so, um, so then it goes on to say in verse 10, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. And we find out what that is by coming into his presence. And then it says, take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. So all of this confession coming to God and then determining to walk in a new way, not only um, does that um, expose the things in your life that are hindering you, right, from walking in your freedom, but you also shine brighter. And when you begin to live and walk in a new way, you begin to shine the light of Jesus Christ on others. And a lot of times people don't like that either, because as you walk in the light, you might be pointing out uh, by your new change patterns, you might be exposing to them um, areas that they are walking in um, in darkness. And so a lot of times people don't like that, but really um, the, it's the most powerful way that you and I can be chained, change others. It's not by you know, trying to control them or change them, right? That's not godly girl power. That's worldly power. It is you walking out in the fullness of God, you walking and changing um, uh, a new way. Um, I know that there have been people who have walked in forgiveness of me, and it made the biggest impact on my life. And so as we walk in the light and our light shines brighter, That's where the change happens because we point the light back um, to Christ. Okay, so then it says, um, take no part in worthless deeds of evil. And I'm in verse 10 in darkness instead expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that the ungodly people do in secret. Um, And there's kind of a sign. If you're doing something in secret, by the way, nothing is secret from God. But if you're having to do something in secret, it's it's probably sin, okay? Um, and, and we don't need to fear coming to God. Uh, Hebrews 4 tells us that, you know, we don't have a great high priest who's not able to understand what you're walking through. He gets it. So it was so freeing to me to come to God and say, this is how I feel. I see you, you show me that it's wrong, but I don't want it anymore, God, and I need your help. And then he is the one that will take your hand and he will lead you step by step um, to, to transform that. Okay. So, but there, um, then it says, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them for the light makes everything visible. That's why it is said, awake, a sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will give you his light. And so it's like, you know, when we come to to the light of Christ, or when we're shining our light on others, it's like there's tr- this transition, like this has to die, Aline. This has to go. But now I want your heart to beat again. And now I want you to live this way, okay? All right, so so, um, so we become the light as we live in the light before God and others. And that's from that passage um, in, in 1 John 1, 9. And again, I encourage you to listen to that Bob Hamp um, um uh, podcast where he talks about dying to self because it really does explain more about um, this gift from God and about the power of confession and doing the truth and walking in the light before God and then in that fellowship with each other um, how we share the light of Christ and make the change that that when we walk in the light when we come to the source that he shows us what is not true about us Aline you know 
you walking in unforgiveness, and that's not the truth about who you are, okay? All right, the next thing that Paul tells us to do in these scriptures is to be wise and make the most out of every opportunity because we have direction from God. It says this in verse uh, 15, So be very careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Now, the way that you and I become wise is by spending time in the Word of God. And um, we want to nourish our heart with truth and then stay focused on that truth so that we can live in the direction of our purpose. Now, in this, um, in this particular passage, it says to be wise, to not be a fool. And um, at one point, I heard um, Andy Stanley give a sermon on this, and he was saying that a fool is somebody that knows the truth but refuses to do it. Um, so, so I, um, so I think that a wise woman, a wise woman, is one that will stay in the Word to align her actions with God's will to be an agent for His agenda. Now, I love here that it says um, to make the most out of every opportunity. And, you know, um, I um, think that in our world as women, we are so very busy. People say, how are you doing? And we say, oh, great, I'm just so busy. Well, here's my challenge to you. We don't want to be busy. We want to be balanced. And the way we find balance is by pulling the Holy Spirit in the middle and by walking according to His truth. There's lots of good things out there that we could be doing, but we want to make the most out of every every opportunity to do that God thing and to have a schedule that's not frazzled but focused and to have a life that has margin because we are making the most out of every opportunity by staying focused in our God-given purpose. You know, Jesus lived with great intention, and He did a lot while He was here on earth, but He always had time for interruptions. He had time for people. And so we, we want to make the most out of every opportunity. And here was my huge takeaway from this section of Scripture. And here's my challenge to you, that wise women, as wise women, we want to let go of the approval of the world to lay down our badge of busyness so that we can live balanced by living for the applause of heaven living with eternity in mind, like what really matters to God? Loving people, that's what matters to God. Living balanced so that when my family comes home from their day from school, that I'm not frazzled. Living with that time to plug into the source, stay connected to the source so that I can understand God's will. And then living focused on my God thing, not a bunch of good things. Because busyness, it's not about busyness. It's about balance. And that's why Paul says, understand what the 
the Lord's will is for you. And the way that we understand it is we get in the Word and we listen to God's voice. And you know, the Nourish Bible Study Method, that's what it's all about. It's about teaching women how to hear God's voice through His Word so that you can stay focused, not frazzled. So not only does God want us to be focused because we have a purpose, He wants us to be wise with our time, Um, not only does He want us to be focused, He wants us to be filled Because just like we have a purpose, we have power, that godly girl power that comes from the Holy Spirit. But being filled with the Holy Spirit is something that we need to do every single day, every single day. I love what Jim um, Simbla, who is the pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church, Um, In his book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, he says this, Our store of spiritual power apparently dissipates with time. Daily living, distractions, and spiritual warfare take their toll. We need, in the words of Paul that he used in Ephesians 5.18, to be always being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, there's lots of definitions out there about what being filled with the Holy Spirit is means. And this is what it means to me. Yes, I'm indwelt with the Holy Spirit when I become a believer, but it's about connecting to that source to be filled with the Holy Spirit for me. It's about not only that connecting to the source um, and that spending time with God and prayer and worship, reading His Word in fellowship with other believers, caring for, for others. All of those things are ways that we can fill ourselves with um, the Holy Spirit. It's by connecting to the source, by connecting to the source. But also, I think that um, the more that we come under the control of the Holy Spirit, the more we increase our capacity for the Holy Spirit to fill every area of our life through, it's through surrender. Now, um, and the question um, that I've, I've always heard asked, and I think it's a good one to repeat, is it's not how much of the Holy Spirit do you have? What we need to be asking is how much of the Holy, of me does the Holy Spirit have? How much am I, you know, available for Him, basically? Um, and so Paul makes this analogy in these last two verses to kind of describe the filling of the Holy Spirit which is different from being indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Um, He says this, Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making muses to the Lord in your hearts. In other words, you know, he's making this analogy between being drunk and between being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, what's true about both of them is that when you're intoxicated, you're out of control and you're under the influence of alcohol and you're really not, you know, making your own choices. Um, But then Paul says that goes to ruin your life. So you don't want to do that. But then what he says is, just like, you know, he says that uh, to be filled with the Holy Spirit instead, 
you know, to come under the influence of God, to let go of trying to control everything yourself and just come under His control through surrender. And by connecting to the source, that is how we are filled so that we can follow Jesus and flow with the Holy Spirit. When we, um, I I gave this analogy about three weeks ago in the podcast, in another podcast, but I'm going to repeat it. You and I are like watering cans. Now, a watering can in and of itself does not have what it needs to give out to others. It has to connect to a source to be filled with water so that it can nourish other sources. Likewise, you and I every day need to spend time in God's Word and prayer and reading the Word um, to be filled up with God and then go out and follow the Holy Spirit, follow His lead in our life. And we need to do this every day because in and of ourselves, or when we are just trying to do what we want to do, or when we are trying to stay in control of our little agenda for our day, right? We don't have uh, what we need to give to others. We want to be filled with the living water, the Holy Spirit, and let it flow out of us as we follow Jesus. Now, then, you know, Paul goes on to say, when, you know, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, there it talks about the joy, the singing the songs, the hymns, um, um, and giving thanks to God that uh, the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, just this life of thankfulness as we are filled and follow His joy and His uh, love and peace will flow out. They will flow out. And that joy, that is your authentic identity. So I want to go over again, just in practical sense, you know, this awakening of your authentic identity. We have four things, okay? We have, um, we are God's child. That is our authentic identity. We have the light of Christ within us. We have the Word of God and the Holy Spirit that can lead us. Um, We have a purpose that can lead us to our purpose here. And finally, we have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have that godly girl power. So awakening all of that inside of us, that is the truth about who we are. We are all of those things. We have all of those things. And awakening to that is about connecting to the source, right, through our relationship with God, through um, coming, being vulnerable before God and coming to the light and asking Him to show us. It's through nourishing our heart through the truth in God's Word um, and, and knowing your purpose. And then it's about connecting to the source again to being filled with the Holy Spirit, to have the power to walk out all these things. And then it's a matter of saying, okay, now I'm going to go out there and do it, right? I'm going to tell my heart to beat again. We're, we're, we, we have all of those things, much like that analogy I gave you in the beginning, just like the surgeon had worked on his patient, right? And uh, But the heart wasn't beating again. 
It's like we have all of these things. We have the power of God. We have a purpose revealed to us as we spend time in His Word. We are the light of the world, right? We are a child of God. All, you know, God has already given us all of those things, but walking filled in it, right? Being, you know, making the most out of every opportunity, living that life of love and walking in the light to shine a light on Jesus Christ. That's an action that you and I have to take. And it is about walking in our authentic identity by connecting to the source, listening for his words, and then following him. So I want to challenge you this week to make the most out of every opportunity, to spend time with God and know that this is a process, but that coming to connect with the source, it will awaken your identity and it will be different from who you were before you were a Christian. And a lot of times it will feel weird when you first start walking in it, but it is so worth it. Not only because you're worth it, but when you walk in your authentic identity, you bring value to this world. Inside of the scripture, it's said to make the most out of every opportunity because the days are evil. It's said that when we are the light of Christ, that it exposes darkness. It says when you and I walk in love, we are showing others the example of Jesus Christ. It says that when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it it comes out of us in joy and singing and songs. And the, the reason why all this is important is yes, it is about you and you walking in your, your authentic identity. But beyond that, from a perspective of eternity, there's a lost and dying world out there a lost and dying world that doesn't know about the light of Christ, that doesn't know about the sacrificial love of Jesus, that doesn't know that they have a purpose too, that doesn't know about the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you and I walk in our authentic identity, we are aligning our lives with the almighty power of God to walk out His agenda. So let's choose to love again, to live again, to live purposefully again, and to be filled that you and I can bring the love of Jesus to a lost and dying world. It's time to wake up, right? It's time to wake up our hearts and beat again. I hope that you've enjoyed this podcast, and I hope that you'll continue to join us every week for our Nourish Devotions podcast and join in with us in the study of God's Word by downloading the Nourish Devotions. You can do that by going to our website at www.treasuredministries.com. I hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful week, and I'll talk to you next week. 